0: You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Well, man, it's great to be with you guys today who are worshiping in the Cameo Theater. I want to bring up my phone and give a shout out to a few of you who are worshiping online today. I see Rosenda on there. I see Maria is on there and Lorena, welcome to all of you who are worshiping online as well. And. Like Joe said, we've been in the midst of a series called God Moments, and we wanted to explore today a God moment from Isaiah. So if you would, go ahead and stand with me for the reading of God's word today as we look at Isaiah chapter six, verses one through eight. It was the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, It's all over. I'm doomed. I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people who will go for us. And I said, here I am, send me. Here am I, send me. Let's bow for prayer. God, would you by your spirit in your mysterious way reveal to us the truths from your word that we might adjust our lives to you, whether we've known you for many years or whether we've not even yet believed. Reveal yourself to us today, Jesus. We ask it in your name, everyone said, Amen. You guys go ahead and take a seat. And this was Isaiah's God moment. Some people call this passage Isaiah's calling in life. And we've learned a bit about God moments from a little book by Alan Wright entitled The God Moments Principle. And in this little book, he defines a god moment as simply this. It's an experience of God's loving activity in our lives that would change us. And so we've had these encounters we've seen during this series that sometimes God was there and we didn't even know that he was there. These are god moments. Now today we're going to be talking about calling. What is a calling? Well, it's really just the urge to shape your to share your gifts with the world, when you express your gifts for the sake of others, you often experience the joy of feeling or being fully alive. And we see this in the scriptures when Paul talks in Romans eight twenty eight, and he says, we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are what? What's that next word? Called according to his purpose. And so when you and I adjust our lives to God's purposes, it's not just what we want, but it's when we adjust our lives to his purposes, things work out for the good. Ultimately, it may in the short term be working out bad, but when we respond to our calling, things work out for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And so I brought this little vintage phone today because the phone represents taking a call, doesn't it? This phone was like the original swipe right, right? This is the phone. And so some of you can think about a phone call that you've answered at some point that changed your life, can't you? Some of you picked up the call from a doctor's office and you got the news on that call that would change your life. Some of you picked up the call from a job interview and you took that job and it changed your career, the trajectory of your life. Some of you Took the call of someone that wanted to ask you out on a date, and it changed your life. Some of you are still praying for that call to come in, right on. <laughs> but the phone represents picking up the call. And I remember one day I'd been having a conversation with these, this friend of mine about going skydiving, maybe. And we were, you know, when a group of guys get together and the testosterone starts to flow, and you know, and he's like, "Dude, you want to go skydiving?" Like dude, I would totally do that, dude. And so so anyways, then I saw on the caller ID that that dude was calling me. And I knew that if I picked up that phone, that call was going to be about doing, you know, something pretty crazy, having a great adventure. So I picked up the call and he's like, dude, you want to go skydiving?" And and what am I supposed to say? What I was really thinking, H, no, I don't want to go sky. I don't want to jump out of a plane, but... What did I say? Dude, I'll totally go. And so uh, that day came where we went. And I remember uh, thinking about it before we went. I'm thinking, is this going to be the last day I'm alive? I mean, I can't believe I just agreed to do this. You know, why did I just fall for the peer pressure of all the dudes, you know, wanting to go? And I experienced what it's like to fly because I picked up the call. And look, what I want you to understand is, is that God wants to teach you to fly and he wants to give you the adventure of a lifetime. Unfortunately, some of you have thought about following God and picking up his call for your life would lead you into something that you hate or something that's a bummer or something that is lame or boring. But the reality is that when you pick up the call from God, you fly. You have the adventure of a lifetime. And here's Where this came down for me in my career, I used to work in corporate training for some years, and I enjoyed speaking to people, and I'm okay with speaking to people, you know, like groups, and everybody's not okay with that, you know, it's like Jerry Seinfeld says that the number one fear, I mean, people more afraid of speaking in public than they are dying, do you know that? And so Jerry Seinfeld's joke is, is that if you go to a funeral, the guy in the casket's better off than the guy standing up giving the eulogy, right? Because uh, people are afraid to do that. But I don't mind to do that. And I was doing public speaking. I was doing corporate training. And I remember one time I was in Chicago. I was staring out a window. And I can kind of give this talk on autopilot because i had given it so many times. And I was staring out a window at other high rises in that area, And I was just kind of thinking to myself, I thought, am I really doing what I'm called to do right now? And I had an epiphany when I was staring out the high-rise window in Chicago that I'm not called to just speak any message. I'm not just called to, you know, help people be successful or add value or whatever. That's a good thing to do. And a lot of people do that and they should do that. But I'm called to give one message And that is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe it's the most important message in all the universe that leads people towards their purpose in life. It's the message that helps people enjoy an eternity with Jesus and avoid an eternity without him. And I'm called to a particular place the inner city of San Antonio to bring this gospel message. And so I resonate with Paul when he says in 1 Corinthians about his call to preach. Is 1 Corinthians nine sixteen? he says, For if I preach the gospel, it gives me no ground for boasting. He's not just virtue signaling there saying, Hey, I'm not bragging about myself. He says, It gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. He says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. In other words, Paul's saying, hey, I better share this gospel of Jesus, or I'm like a bottle of Pepsi being shaken up. And if someone doesn't let the cap off, it's gonna explode out of me. And I, I real, I, I I resonate with that because if I go too many weeks without sharing the gospel, you know, we have other speakers, you know, that, that I invite in or that come or that are part of our church, and I can start getting antsy if I go too many weeks in a row without sharing the gospel. It's like shaking up the bottle of Pepsi. It's not for you. It's for me. I gotta get it out. And Look, I understand. Some people are like, "Hey, you know, you, your your whole job is to like." preach and proselytize people. That's so uncool. Well, I would say that uh, everybody is doing that anyway. Like even people who would tell me or they would tell you, you shouldn't be proselytizing. They're actually trying to convince you of a certain philosophy of life or way of life. And so they're trying to proselytize you. Everybody's doing it. People are trying to proselytize you to their politic. People are trying to proselytize you to drive a Ford or a Chevy. People are trying to proselytize you to do iPhone or an Android. Everyone is doing it. I just happen to be doing it for the most important message in all the universe. And so that's why I love our church and I love you guys because you guys have embraced the gospel. You guys are inviting friends and loved ones here to hear the gospel. And because of your fulfilling the mission of our church, which is we're here to help people who feel far from God become fully devoted followers of Jesus. We saw, like Pastor Joe said earlier, 33 people get baptized last Sunday, and that's room to celebrate, is it not? And so I'm grateful that Sadie put together a video of those baptisms last Sunday. Let's take a look at that video and celebrate it. that was an awesome experience to see. Like I got to baptize an 88 year old woman last Sunday. And I thought that t- took a lot of faith to do. And uh, I, I love that. And it fills my heart to see, and I know it does you. And you know, you have a calling on your life. You have a call to pick up that God has wired you for to glorify him, be used of him in the world, something you have to do. And if you don't do it, you'll explode. And when you find your calling, it affects every other decision in your life. You know, it affects your job. Like if you're calling, you have to do it by volunteer. You have to have a job that allows for you to express that calling. Others of you, it affects who you're gonna date or who you're gonna marry, because they're if they're not in alignment with or aren't on board with your calling, the relationship probably most likely won't work. It it affects like how you spend your time. You know, you have to, you know, delegate some time towards your calling. It, it affects the way you spend your money as well. And your story, some of you are living out your calling right now in your careers, you know that. A lot of pastors make it sound like sometimes that if you're not in the professional, like vocational ministry, you're not, fulfilling your call from God, and nothing could be further from the truth. We see people in all different vocations throughout the Bible, and some of you are fulfilling your calling in real estate or on a construction site or in law or the medical field and all different sorts of professions. You're expressing your calling, see? And I wanted to highlight one guy in our church that's fulfilling his calling in a very unique way. His name is Jay. And Jay's team gets information from family members who are in other countries across the border. And typically they're contacting Jay's team because one of their family members, one of their loved ones has crossed the U.S. border. And most of the time they're crossing the border with human smugglers called coyotes, right? And sometimes these people who are trying to, you know, are migrants trying to make a better lives for themselves and they're on the trail and they can't make it. Maybe they get injured. Maybe they get sick and they just can't keep up. Well, the human smugglers just leave them there. They don't wait for them, they just leave them. And those people most of the time are left for dead. In fact, the majority of what Jay and his team do is they find people who didn't make it and they have to carefully put those human remains into a body bag and reunite those remains with their family members across the border so the family can have closure and so that the family can give the body a proper burial. And so they seldom get thanked for anything that they do. Jay says it's a thankless job. In fact, he texted me last week. I want to read to you what he sent me in a text. He said, I've been working Brooks County for eight years now. So I've seen more death than I wish to count. When I was sent to Houston for Hurricane Harvey for boat operations, it felt weird to receive handshakes and thank yous from people we rescued or hugs from waiting family members when we arrived to dry ground with their still alive loved one. What I do in Brooks County is a thankless job. We never hear from family members the few sayings we make each year, those individuals are usually near death and not much in the mood to talk. When I read that text, I thought, who in the world would want to do that kind of mission, that kind of job? You're trekking around in the South Texas heat, there are dangers there, potential violence, and most of what you're doing is picking up dead bodies and mailing it back to the family, and no one ever thanks you for it. But there's one woman I can guarantee you would thank Jay and his team for it, and it's this next picture I'm going to show you of a 25-year-old woman from El Salvador that hadn't eaten or drank anything for days, and her life was saved by Jay and his team because he's a man that picked up The call. And I realize that it's a thankless job that many of the families across the border that call and give intel will never even know who Jay is, and they won't know his name. But I'm here to tell you his name today. His name is Jay Freaking Dobbs, and he's honored in this place. Jay, would you stand up? He's right down here on the front row. We just want to thank you, dude. Love you. And I know your name, and we do too, and you're always honored here. So Uh, Love you, dude, and thank the Lord for you. Jay is a man who was called to something unique, and he picked up the call, and are people's lives being saved because of it, see? And so that's the one idea I want to submit to you today, is for you to pick up the call. Pick up the call. Would you turn to someone next to you and tell them, pick up the call? Very good. Pick up the call. Now, I know what some of you are saying, because you're saying the same thing I said when God called me to a particular thing, is that you're saying, wait a minute, God, hold the phone. You don't know who you're calling. I've got a past. I've not gotten everything right in my call, in, in my life. And so that's why a lot of us say, hold the phone. And we're saying the same thing that Isaiah said, hold the phone. Look look at what Isaiah said in uh, chapter six, verse five of his book. Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed (laughs) for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. And I don't know where Isaiah's lips had been that made him feel like they were filthy. But I do know this, that he was a professional prophet or speaker and he was used to speaking to people, you know? And so he perhaps said some things that he regretted. If you talk a lot, you're bound to say something that hurts someone. And when Isaiah is in the presence of Almighty God, he's no longer comparing himself and his righteousness to other people around him as much as he's seen I'm among the Lord of heaven's armies and even my best religious deeds are nothing in his sight. I'm doomed. If you go to the New Testament of the Bible, Jesus himself said, by your words, you shall be justified and by your words, you shall be condemned. And so Isaiah knows that I've spoken things that are not right, and I am condemned. Woe is me before the perfectly pure power and presence of almighty God, the Lord of heaven's armies. And later on in his book, he says in Isaiah chapter 64, verse six, we're all infected and impure with sin. When we proudly display our righteous deeds, we find they are but filthy rags. See, what is he, what's a filthy rag? Well, those of you that have little kids and you're changing diapers, you know exactly what a filthy rag is, don't you? You know? When Jeannie and I were younger, our kids were little, we were changing diapers. Someone gave us this contraption and it was called the diaper champ. And the diaper champ is this contraption. You're supposed to be able to put it in there and pull it over and the diaper goes down in this tube and it's supposed to like keep the stinky out of the house. But I'll just tell you this, that in, in a kid with toddlers, you know, or little kids, they always bump into it, right? When they bump into stuff, any air can get out of that thing. Stinky is gonna fill the house, right? And it's like, how did these little kids, they're so cute, they're so precious. And how do they make such a stinky smell that like just fills my whole house when that stupid diaper jank thing doesn't work like it's supposed to, right? Don't you thank God that he's willing to deal with the stinky diaper and not throw out the child that's precious to him, see? But when we come to God with all our righteous deeds, all our religious acts, all the things that we do that would impress other people, when we present it to him and expect it to earn love relationship with him, it's like presenting him with a dirty diaper. He doesn't need it. He wants our hearts. See? So because of our spiritual dirty diapers, which many of us, most of us, if we're honest, all of us have, we feel like we're not worthy to take the call. But if you'll look in the scriptures, you'll see that much of the New Testament was written by a guy with some spiritual dirty diapers. His name is Paul. And before he came to Jesus, he was a terrorist. He really was. And he was changed by the power of God. God had to knock him off a horse one night, one day. And Paul picked up the call. And because of him, we have much of our New Testament. And some of you are saying, hold the phone, God. I'm not worthy to take the call because I don't know enough. You know, if I just knew Greek and Hebrew, if I just knew systematic theology, if I just knew more Bible verses, then maybe I could take the call. But what you got to understand about that is, is that it's not so much about everything you know, but it's about who you know and how do you get to know him when you spend time with him in prayer. You pick up the call and you listen to him and you talk to him in prayer. And that's what happened with the New Testament disciples. People were blown away by their teachings And they said, how did these guys who were unlearned men know such stuff? And then that passage says they had been with Jesus, see? So when we spend time with Jesus in prayer, he prepares us for what he calls us to do. But look at what happens next. When the phone touches your lips, something happens. And this is in verse six and seven of Isaiah six. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with the burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. And everybody wants their sins and guilt removed without the burning coal to the lips. Why is he talking about the lips? Well, our lips are very sensitive, aren't they? It's why if you get like a fever blister, you're putting stuff all over your lips because it's sensitive, you know, it hurts. It's why when you get married, you Kiss your spouse on the lips. It can be for good or it can be for pain. And can you imagine something hot as a coal, like like a hot coal touching your lips, how it would feel? It would hurt. It's a very sensitive place. But when God is preparing you to pick up the call, when he's preparing you for your call, he will touch you in some of the most sensitive places of your heart. When God was calling me, there were some areas of my life that I just didn't want to go there. Do you have those things in your life? I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk about it because it's too sensitive. But when God's preparing you for a call, he's going to go there. And some of you are in that burning coal experience right now because he's chosen to go there to prepare you to pick up the call and do what he's asking you to do, see? We've got a group of people that are just now coming back today from Cultivate Retreat, and they've been gone, and they've been through this long process of looking at their inventory, the different things they've done wrong or different hurts, habits, or hang-ups they've had. They're also writing down the names of people that have hurt them, and they write down how it makes them feel. They're going there on those sensitive places, and that gives me hope for them that they'll be prepared for their calling because God typically doesn't take you into your calling until he's first done the hot coal to that sensitive place in your life. He can't heal you. He can't cauterize that wound and heal it over until he's gotten down to the core of the tumor and cut it out of your life. So look at what happens next. When you pick up the phone call, something happens. You pick up the phone And something happens in verse eight. When I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Remember those two words, this people. Would you look to someone next to you and tell them this people? This people, good. And so when you pick up that call, God asks you a question. Look at it in the next sentence there. Who will go for us? Who will go for us? Do you think God asked the question because he didn't know the answer? (laughs) Whom should I send as a messenger to this people who will go for us? And I said, what am I going to say? Here I am. Send me. Here am I. Send me. Here I am. Warts and all. I don't know enough. Here I am, send me. Isaiah was just so grateful at this point that God had extended grace to him because he was a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. And how is it that Isaiah knew part of his calling? It goes back to those two words, this people. Isaiah had unique access to and compassion for this people. The Jewish people. It's kind of like with Esther. She had unique access to a king because of her compassion for this people, her people, and she was able to save their lives. And you have it, this people too. You know, I was inspired some years ago by a woman who was giving a talk at a leadership conference, and she's known as simply Mama Maggie, and some people call her the Mother Teresa of Cairo, Egypt. And I watched a group of church leaders in a large auditorium mesmerized by her calling and her this people. Take a look at Mama Maggie's story by way of video.
1: As a youngest daughter of a doctor, I enjoyed affluent lifestyle. God has blessed me so much. I always like to have music, singing, playing, sports, traveling to Europe every year to get the best fashion dress, wearing jewelry. And I really always like to be elegant. And later, I found to be elegant comes from inside. I was teaching at the American University in Cairo. <clears throat> I had the best students, the smartest in the whole country. When God wanted to promote me, he said, leave the best, the smartest, and go to the poorest to the poor. At that moment, I couldn't believe. It. the least I'm the last one who could fit because I'm the one who's forgiven much but loves so little I thought I'm so disappointing to God how come he chose someone like me With God's grace, I left everything and I found Him shining, waiting for me with a crown of love. Do you know, the poor children, they are hungry, hungry every day, hungry every meal, hungry every hour. They are hungry for bread, but hungry for love and acceptance. When one has nothing, God becomes everything. When I touch a poor child, I'm touching Jesus. When I listen to a poor child, I'm listening to God's heart beating. For all the humanity. If you want to be a hero, do what God wants you to do.
0: This is a woman who picked up the call, didn't she? You know, he's calling you. He's got a this people for you to go to that no one else can. You know, I can't go to him. I don't have the access that you do. And you know, you can invite them to church. We'd love for them to come. But as you know, some people won't come. That's why we go. And he's calling you to a people that only you have access to. You know, and I'll tell you this, your this people might be in your own home. Your this people could be in your school, you're this people, could be in the warehouse where you work, or the office or the military base, or on the construction site where you go. And sometimes it's a thankless job. Don't expect everybody to applaud you there, you're this people for what you're trying to do. And here's the reality that no matter what we say we're going to do in church, most people won't do it. Most people won't actually pick up the call. And most people will forget this little talk I'm giving, just like many of my other little talks have been forgotten. You know that, right? But what I'm asking you today is, will you be one of those few that actually does pick up the call? Will you be one who picks up the call? And here's what I'm going to ask you to do today is I'm going to ask you to take a faith step and do a physical act of faith that represents your heart to pick up the call of God. When you came in today, perhaps you got those little white magnets. Can you show me those if you got those? And what those are for is for you to write down on it, you're this people. Maybe it's a group of people that you have unique access to. Maybe you'll write down the exact names of your This people, and we've actually got some pens right down here on either side of the stage. And what we're asking you to do is come up here, then take a pen, write your this people, and stick it on the front of the stage because our stage is painted with magnet paint. So it'll stick there. And we're gonna pray over all our this people. And when you do this, when you walk up here literally and and stick it on the front, by the way, this is not for everyone. No guilt and shame if you can't do it. And if you're not really going to do it, I want to ask you to just stay where you're at if you're not really, really going to do this. I would rather have one person that really means it, that's really going to take the call and is going to have the faith to step out of the airplane and do it than a hundred people who are just responding from emotions or getting you know, uh, swept up in some kind of emotional euphoria so if you're that one I want to invite you to come and stick it on the stage and when you do say a little prayer say God I'm picking up the call here I am send me warts and all I don't know enough I'm not enough but with you I'm enough here am I send me just as I am. So let's stand together. And if you're one of the ones, then come on, grab one of these pens, write it down, stick it on the stage. And what you don't know is, is that it could be the person that you're writing on that little magnet could be a person who is baptized right here on Christmas Eve at our next baptism. And so stick it on there with prayer because God brings things into being that are not yet. And you'd think this person would never want to come to Christ, but you don't know what God could do in the ways that he could change someone. So let's sing and worship as we respond to God. Someone picked up the call. And that's why we get to know you, you know, because someone else responded, picked up the call, said, here am I, send me. Thank you for your grace in our lives that you would choose such as us to call. And as we're bowing in prayer before you, God, I can't help but think that you're drawing sons and daughters to yourself today, that some who didn't even have a relationship with you will gain one right now. If that describes you while we're praying before God, you have the sense that a loving presence is drawing you to a relationship with God that you've never had before. You've never known him. But you would like to in these moments. You know the reason that you would like to is because God is placing that desire in your heart because he wants love relationship with you. Just talk to him right now. And in your own heart and mind, just tell him what's on your mind. And you might say something like this to express your heart. To say, look, God, I know I've sinned. Just like Isaiah, I know I've sinned. But right now in this moment, I'm choosing to believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross and shed his blood to be like the burning coal on my lips to cleanse me from guilt, and sin. And Jesus rose again from the dead to give me new life. Welcome into my life, God. Thank you for coming in. And I pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen, amen. Anybody want to thank God for being so good to us today, man? Amen. God is so good to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Will you guys go ahead and take a load off just for a minute? And then as we wrap up today, I wanted to tell you about next week because we're going to continue in some God moments. And we've got like some original music that was written inspired by this series uh, by Jeremy King. And then also some of your video stories from Amazing Rescue are going to show up in the service next week because we're going to look at wrestling with God. Some of you are like, oh, I thought that God was just like a care bear up in the sky that just hugs people all the time and is always sweet and precious and nice, you know. But, you know, sometimes we don't get our way and we start wrestling with God, don't we? And we're going to look at that in the scriptures next Sunday. So make sure and come on back for that, because chances are some of you are in the midst of a God moment right now because you're wrestling with him, wrestling with him. So come on back. Uh, for that, uh, also, um, let me, I wanted to speak a word of benediction over you guys before you leave. Would you guys receive that? And so, uh, why don't you stay seated for the benediction this time and just relax, right, and rest in it? And so, dear brothers and sisters, as you go from this place for me, you go from here knowing for sure you're this people, and knowing that even though you're you have sinned, He's cleansing you. He's cleansed you by the power. of, of the cross. So go from here saying, here am I, send me, God I choose to pick up the call and take your love and grace to a people who desperately need it. You guys go from here knowing that you're sent and you're so loved. We'll see you guys next Sunday, peace. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, Check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.